This, this is, is Yawa, Yawa Radio. Radio. Oh, welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. Well, a warm welcome to this week's Glass Half Full and a warm welcome to Greg. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Steve. How about you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Really looking forward to you sharing some great information with us today. And I'll give I'll give the listeners a clue, Greg, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They say they say we are what we eat. There's an interesting thing. So, uh, Greg, just tell me about yourself first and tell me about the work that you do and uh, how you got involved with it. Okay, sure. Um, I'm Greg Forrester. I'm the owner of Wisconsin Mineral Solutions. So I'm here in the north central part of Wisconsin, and I've been helping farmers for around a decade now to produce food that tastes better that's better for us, that has longer shelf life, helping them to become more profitable through a focus on soil health. And so that's one of the things I'd like to talk about today is the importance of farmers taking a look at the soil. But just kind of a real quick intro to who I am. Yeah. So, so, but Greg, how did you get involved in this work then? Okay. Yeah, that's a really good question. For a lot of people that are involved with agriculture and farming, it's kind of in their blood. You know, they've been farming for generations and they're just the next generation to do that. And for me, that wasn't the case at all. I have a background, I have a physics degree, computer science degree. And for many years, I was involved in engineering work. And at some point, things shifted for me. And you know how things can happen in life and (laughs) businesses downsize and things like that. And I started looking more at the world of agriculture and my physics background and kind of an interest in how things connect and how they work together really kind of piqued my interest there. And so quite a few years ago now, we started doing some just small gardening projects and things like that on our farm, little homestead. And it didn't turn out to be quite as easy as I thought it would be. and. We had a lot of disease issues, a lot of just frustrating times in the garden. And I remember one day working in our garden and kind of bending down and seeing the pest issues and the fungal issues and things like that going on. And a neighbor of mine drove up and he had a big smile on his face. And I 
probably didn't have a very big smile on my face because of what was <laughs> going on. But he walked up and his name was Steve and he had some special fertilizer that he wanted me to try. And I thought, well, what difference is that really going to make? And I thought, well, okay, it's just one more thing to do and I'll, I'll get around to doing it. And we have dairy goats and I put the fertilizer into one of the sheds and the goats actually got into the fertilizer and started eating it. And so I kind of panicked and called the manufacturer and he just kind of chuckled and said, oh, that's okay. Your goats are going to be really happy. And I found out later what this fertilizer was, was just a natural clay that was really high in trace minerals and probiotics. And even though that it was intended to be put on the ground, if animals ate it, they actually would be healthier. <laughs> wow, amazing. Yeah. So that kind of started me thinking about this whole thing. And Steve recommended that I put it on just half my garden and notice the difference and let them know how it performed. And I was really shocked that very first year we had green peppers that the the walls of the peppers were thicker and they were larger. They just felt like heavier, denser, and the aroma was better. And over the years, we started to notice that we had less pest issues, less fungal issues. And all of that was coming back to the health of the soil. And there are lots of ways people can improve the soil health, not just the product that Steve had for me. But when we think about what's going on in the soil and how, like you said, we are what we eat, if what we're eating just doesn't turn out to be very healthy, then that doesn't mean we're going to be very healthy. So when you look at a tomato, it might look like a tomato, and we call it a tomato, but if you look at what's actually in it, does it have that nutritional value that it was actually designed to have for us? And is it going to result in us being healthier and stronger? And it's not necessarily so. And there are quite a few studies done around the world that verify that. You know, Greg, it's interesting you say that because they're in the UK, okay? I've bought quite a selection of tomatoes recently, and some just have not only probably no nutritional value, they don't even taste of a tomato. Right. You, you know, what's, what's going on there? Right. Well, a lot of the flavor has to do with the minerals that are brought up into the plant. And when the soil is not balanced right, the nutrients have a hard time coming up into the plant. And if they can't get into the plant, they can't get into the fruit, the tomato itself. <laughs> and I, I do remember a story where one of my farming customers that was using our program, he had a, a friend come from the city and he offered him some cherry tomatoes. And the friend from the city said, no, thanks. I don't like tomatoes. <laughs> and the farmer was kind of surprised. And he said, well, just try one. No, thanks. I don't like tomatoes. And he said, have you ever had a fresh tomato? No. And so... <laughs> The young man took a couple cherry tomatoes in his hand and tried it. You know, he wasn't too sure it was going to go very well, <laughs> but he was amazed. It was really good. And before the farmer knew it, the bowl of cherry tomatoes was almost gone. And that to me was just more indication that 
real food people like. And if you have something that just looks like food, like that city friend of his had been used to, it just doesn't satisfy. And it doesn't satisfy our taste buds, but it also doesn't satisfy our nutritional needs. It isn't what we need to be healthy emotionally and spiritually and physically. So, Greg, let's just touch on that as well, because, you know, I I remember reading ages ago about the nutritional value of food, how it's how it's dropped over the last, well, I don't know, ten years maybe. You know, is is that was I reading that right? Is that true? Yes, and it's actually been declining for a lot longer than just ten years. And there are there's a UK study that I took a look at the like a summary of it, and it was talking about the nutritional value of meat and how the iron levels have dropped just drastically. And that was like a 60-year study. And for vegetables, it's that way too. And when you think about some of the nutrients that are valuable for our emotional well-being, you know, a lot of times today, if somebody is struggling with depression or other kind of uh, emotional distress, someone might recommend that they increase their B vitamin intake. Well, I've noticed that in these these research reports that niacin and some of the other B vitamins are very, very low. And I'm just going to grab a sheet here so I can get an actual number for you. Mm. Let's see. This study I'm looking at here, the snap beans dropped by 30 times. So the vitamin B1 was a value of 60. and in the modern, the modern version, I guess you could say, of that product, it's two. So if you can imagine you had 60 of something and now you have two, or if you look at cabbage, it dropped by from 13 down to two. And lettuce, which apparently used to have a lot more nutrients in it, dropped from 169 down to one. So when you think about that iron and copper, all of these things, are way, way, way less in most of the conventional foods that we're eating today. So you can imagine, you know, if our great, great grandparents would eat maybe a serving of broccoli, we might have to eat 12 servings of broccoli to get the same nutritional value and the support that we need from that food. So that can make wow. a huge difference. Greg, is, why is this happening then? Is, is this just because we're not looking after the land or are we are we growing to a price well i think there are a lot of factors that come into play and you know farmers have a hard time staying in business these days especially a smaller family farm and some of the very decisions that they might make just to keep afloat and keep from going under keep their businesses alive those same decisions oftentimes are decisions that are going to cause the farm to not be sustainable long-term and not going to support, you know, passing this farm on to the next generation. And one of the consequences of those decisions is oftentimes depletion of the soil. Mineral content, the biological life of the soil, all of those things can be very, very harmed by not caring for the soil and and a lot of the modern agricultural practices 
are, are pretty harmful to the soil. So in in the past, then did we did we used to I don't know, Greg? Did we used to rotate crops better? Did was was that one? Of the, I know we must have looked after the soil better to have better nutritional value and things like that. But was there better rotation? And there's that one question. Then the other question that we explore as well is from a consumer's point of view. I guess we've got used to the fact that. Hey, we want cheap prices. And we'll touch on organic later because I want to ask you a question around that as well. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's it's a fairly complex situation. And there are a lot of little things maybe that farmers have been doing. You know, the more that we plow the soil and don't put back into it the nutrients that we're that our plants are taking out, the worse things are. And there used to be a lot greater holding capacity of the soil. So when we would add, let's say, livestock manure or other amendments to the soil, the soil was able to hold that better. And now, as that organic matter starts to drop from from a number of factors, a lot of them just kind of abusing the soil, it can't hold those nutrients very well, and they kind of leach out of the soil and aren't available. And also, with all the pressure that's on the farmer to hurry up and get it done and get it done cheaply, things, even simple things like going into a field when it's too wet and we start to kind of squish that soil down, all of that aerobic bacteria that's in that top six or so inches of soil gets pushed into a state where it doesn't survive very well. And so as we're killing that biology off, because of our urgency to get into the field, that impedes the plant's ability to get those nutrients because the biology is critical in making those nutrients available to the plants. So we have to be really caring for the soil biology, both fungal and bacterial, and also some of the, the larger microbes there, the larger life, in order to have good, healthy food available for us. So, so Greg, on, on the organic front then, because I don't know what it's like over in in the States, but over here, you know, we have the organic option, but it's a lot more expensive. So as you're talking right. there, right? Because people question the expense. They say, Are we being are we being right. marketed? Are we being ripped off just through the big word organic? Because right. after all, that's what things used to be years ago. Okay. So, but but the question then, though, is, is are we being are we being ripped off, or is that the real the true cost of producing nutritional food? That's a very good question, and the answer is not exactly simple either, because oh, there yeah. are there are organic foods out there that I don't think have a whole lot of advantage from a nutritional perspective over some of the conventional food that's available. You do definitely have, you know, some advantage of the organic foods just in the fact that there are a lot of rules prohibiting the use of certain harmful chemicals and things like that, and that help the environment overall. So it, I think organic food and the whole organic movement is very important and good, but there are people that are trying to find ways to have the name organic without actually having to you know, carry things out with the true intent of producing healthier food and a healthier environment. So 
sure, there are there are people that are getting ripped off because certain companies are kind of masquerading as organic, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. But but the true cost of producing things in a healthy way is higher in an organic kind of situation than it is in a conventional one. So, so Greg, that that leads me to another question. Then, so here we are, Mister and Mrs. Consumer. How the heck do we find out whether our food is nutrition got nutritional value? What do we do? Right, that that's something that's worth thinking about. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and for people that do have the ability to grow some of their own food. I always encourage that. And then they can take control of whatever amount of soil that is available to them and manage that well. For people that can't do that, and even if you are growing some of your own food, you probably can't grow all of it, right? Um, So getting to know your farmer, I think, is really important. And finding ways to bring in your buying habits to be more local so that you have the chance of knowing who's growing your food is good. And I know in a lot of circumstances, that's not very reasonable or very possible, I should say. But the more that we can find ways to connect with that farming uh, world, the better off we're going to be because we'll be able to ask questions. And that is actually one of the things that I will talk about in a little bit as a, a resource I have available to help people ask the right questions so that we can understand what's actually being done on farms and if it's something that's going to help us or not before we before we touch on that then greg because you you've got me thinking lots of things now there's there's one about <clears throat> the food miles that some foods travel okay i'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about bananas in particular i said because i don't know whether you have this in the states as well we have this other really wonderful marketing thing called ripen at home okay uh-huh. Right. So we'll get a banana or an avocado. The avocado on the shop floor is absolutely as hard as rock. Right. <laughs> so you can buy it and ripen it at home, you know. And I'm just thinking, where's that been? Has it been in a cold storage? What's been going on? And that must affect their nutritional value, I would think. And then is there a thing about how long we keep it in our fridges, for example? Does does the nutritional value deteriorate? To an extent, it does, yes. Yeah. And I guess I haven't really thought about this too much before, but I would think the longer that a fruit or vegetable is on its plant, on the plant, the more time there is for that plant to kind of feed that fruit and vegetable. So there's more opportunity for nutrients to be coming into that plant. And I do know just from personal experience that if you have a tomato that was green when you picked it and you just let it ripen in a window, it doesn't taste as nice as one that was ripe and when you picked it off the vine. So there's something going on there that is impacting that nutritional value and therefore the flavor of those tomatoes or whatever the vegetable might be. Well, so tell me about the questions we can ask then, Greg. Well, a lot of the questions that I put together, I put together a little sheet actually that has five key questions you can ask. And And then that sheet has a list of uh, answers that you would hope to get back from your grower. And so you can ask those questions to a local farmer's market grower. If you're connected to any other growers of food, you could ask them that. And you could even ask like at 
more like a health food type of store that's bringing in more fresh produce. You can ask them some of these questions too about what they're bringing into their store. And they're just asking questions about practices that the farmer uses and what the well, how the farmer handles things like pests and how he fertilizes and things like that. And so it's not really complicated, but there has to be a dialogue in order to get information because we're not going to just see it there. I know that there actually is a company right now that is working on a device that people could actually bring into a grocery store and shine it, so to speak, wow. fruit or vegetable and get a reading back that would give an indication of the nutrient value of that. I'm not sure you know, how far they've developed that. But that would be something that would be pretty amazing to have available. Wow, would be, yeah. So, so, Greg, how do people get hold of these key five questions? Well, they can just contact me through Facebook or LinkedIn and request that, and I can get that emailed out to them. Okay, okay, okay. And we, we can put those links at the, you know, the bottom of this interview as well for people who want to listen again when it's uh, been broadcast on the radio so we'll put mm -hmm. that together but i've got to ask you as well greg you know you're doing some fine work then as well so how how do the farmers receive you when you when you turn up with your suggestions are they are they welcoming generally yes in fact a lot of my business is farmers reaching out to me because they have issues and and a lot of times I've just heard other farmer friends of theirs that have had issues that I've been able to help. And when a farmer does start taking better care of their land and you know learning new things, new approaches, and that whole soil health concept comes to be central part of their farming practice, then the produce that they're growing has longer shelf life. That mineral content makes those vegetables last longer without having to spray them with something. And that makes it more marketable for them. Whoever's buying their produce is going to care more, whether it's a grocery store buying it or whether it's going into a wholesale stream or whether it's a local you know, homeowner that's buying those fruits and vegetables. If it lasts longer and if it tastes better, if it smells better, if there are less pest issues out in the field, less fungal issues, less chemical sprays that are needed, those are all things that are going to really help that farm be more sustainable. And that's what we want. We want these farms to be able to last for many generations and not just thrive or survive, but we want them to thrive. And it is very possible. It just takes a little shift of mindset. Wonderful. Well, look, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm just looking at your, uh, <clears throat> your your Facebook page now, Greg, right? Because I love that little, you, there's one of the posts you've put on there and it's got, they tell you these are bad. And there's a picture of a, some products that they tell you are bad. So you've got eggs, you've got milk on there, you've got butter. And then yeah, I like that underneath where you've got, so they can sell you these instead. <laughs> yeah <laughs> cheerios and all that and margarine and all that kind of stuff oh goodness right me. i love it i love it so uh greg we'll put the we'll put some links out underneath all this when uh, when we broadcast this and put the podcast together is there anything you'd like to add before we finish i guess i would just encourage people to really think hard about the food that they're eating and taking whatever steps is necessary for them to make sure that their children their family, their friends are getting food that actually has that value that's going to the nutritional density that's going to help them be able to 
interact in society in a healthy way, that they're going to be healthy and strong. And just because it looks like a tomato doesn't mean it is a tomato. It's a tomato. <laughs> I'm going to take that with me throughout the day, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> okay. uh, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure yeah. talking to you and wish you all the best for the rest of the day. You too, Steve. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. This, this is, is Yawa, Yawa Radio. Radio. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. <laughs> <laughs>